don't have enough time to pray, you can't be effective in spiritual warfare. Can we, can we agree on that? If you don't have enough time to pray, you can't be effective in spiritual war, warfare. It's just it's not going to work. And so we always say that here. We say, well, you need to pray more. Okay. But do you even realize what's going on by praying? Do, do, you, do you understand? Guys, we're, we're actually in the, we're doing the lesson in the book, we're just continuing off exactly where we left off this morning. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 through 11. And so, I could talk a lot about tonight. I could talk about the time issue and time restraints and all the problems that we have with that. But I think I'm going to let you have that because I think you need to look at your own life and figure out if you are a, uh, being effective in spiritual warfare in your own life. you, you got to know that yourself. It's more than just saying... I don't pray enough. Say, well, I, I don't really pray enough. Well, it's, it's, it's got to be more than that. It's, it's more than you just not praying enough. Um, you have to consider the things that aren't getting done in your spiritual life, in the things that really need to get done in order for you to keep advancing. You remember we talked about that this morning, right? You want to keep advancing? In order to keep advancing, there's certain things in your life that have to be healthy and working properly. Prayer is one of them. If you want to defeat... Um, <clears throat> let me say this correctly. If you want to defeat the enemy. Now, you're already fighting a defeated foe. We all agree with that. Amen. You're already fighting somebody that's been defeated. Now, he will try to convince you or to reconvince you that you are not victorious. That you got a real problem on your hand here. And that he's going he's gonna to put a, he's going to slip a sly one in on you. Or he's got you. I mean, I've heard the same stuff, and I know you got to hear the same stuff, too. Don't you hear that stuff like I do? I hear it. You ain't going to make it. I, I, let me say this, that I've learned when you're dealing with the en enemy, it's pretty much a common sense thing that when he comes to you and starts trash talking, you pretty much bet the opposite is true. Oh, you ain't going to make it. That means you probably have already made it. Here, here. Hear what I'm saying. If he's trash talking you and telling you you ain't gonna make it, chances are you already have. Yeah. If he's if he's if he's gonna tell you you ain't gonna get that, in the spirit realm, you have already obtained it. Amen. He's just trying to keep you from receiving it. And I said this before, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful manner or arrogance, by no means. I don't mean it arrogantly. It's the fact that his ways are very uh, the enemy's ways are predictable. I mean, if you, just, if you just look and see what he's doing, you can see a lot of the things that are coming. But it only comes, and I'm going to refer back to the thing we talked about this morning. You have to forgive me for my raspy throat. Um, discernment. The church needs discernment. The church needs the ability to discern the difference between good and bad, right and wrong, and to be able to muddle through the mess and find the thing that's most important to them. You've got, you need discernment. Church needs discernment in this day and time. To be able to go into spiritual warfare and that to be pointed out what things need prayer, what things need your time and attention, and what things do not. This is something that God has been dealing with me about my own personal life. It's like when God shows you that you're wasting time. You're wasting time. You're wasting time muddling with this and muddling with that. You're wasting time. Discernment shows me 
that I need to spend more time over here because this needs my attention. This needs my attention. I don't, I don't think we always need God coming in and telling us exactly, hey, I need you to do A, B, C, and D. Sometimes you just listen to the move of the Spirit, and He'll show you where you're wasting time and where you can make it up at. Say, hey, you need, uh, let me ask you uh, some of you a question. Have you ever been in prayer and God starts slinging things at you that you didn't expect? He's like, hey, I want you to pray for this person. Hey, I want you to pray about this situation. And you're like, whoa, where's this coming from? You ever had that happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, and it's kind of beyond the norm of prayer. It's kind of uh, beyond the, the normal time frame. And then you're like, well, I'm going to spend a little bit more time in prayer this time. What's actually going on here? The Lord's just leading me to pray for things. You might, at that moment, be engaged in spiritual warfare. You took enough time to pray just a little bit longer. And allow God to deal with you and to lead you into spiritual warfare. Maybe for someone else. I always think it's funny. When I let the Lord lead me, he never got me praying for myself. <laughs> if you let the Lord lead you, he's usually never got you praying for yourself. He's usually got you praying for somebody else or something else that needs your time and attention. And considering all things and considering that we're pretty well selfish people, I'm ashamed to consider how much time I have spent praying for myself. And the time that I've spent focused on me and my situations when people desperately need somebody to back them in prayer. Mm-hmm. That's spiritual warfare. That's going to bat for somebody who needs it. And I said this, <clears throat> we were saying this morning that we've got, um, it's all around us. We've got mental, physical, spiritual things going on. Um, and I said this, uh, I ended with the fact that um, unfortunately you are being, how do I put it? You're being affected either indir- uh, directly or indirectly by things. Some of us aren't necessarily dealing with spiritual warfare. You're just dealing with life. And we said that this morning as we were ending. I know that's kind of a, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to end on. <coughs> what are you telling me that for? I was, you know, we chalk it up. Sometimes we'll put the, we get the devil in a, uh, we'll put him in a chokehold. It's like, man, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And it's like, whoa, hold on a second. Use some discernment. Do you even need to put the devil in a chokehold right now? Maybe you just need to make some better decisions. Maybe, maybe you just need to back up and take a look at your situation. Maybe, maybe, maybe your situation doesn't need spitting and snot throwing. Maybe you need some wisdom. Can somebody say amen? amen. Maybe you just need some wisdom. Maybe, maybe you're ignorant. And I mean that not in a bad way. Ignorance means what? Lack of knowledge. You don't know. Maybe we're just ignorant to the situation. Maybe we're involved in something that we just simply need knowledge and we need to know how to do it better. This is one of the things that that I've said that to me is a weakness in the Pentecostal realm is when when Pentecostals seem to get in a situation where they don't know, they just start binding and rebuking the devil. (laughs) And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, uh... I don't know what to do. Devil, I bind you. It's like, well, hold on a second. Maybe we're just ignorant. Maybe we just don't know what we need to be doing. And maybe we need to ask God, God, would you help me? God, would you give me some wisdom on this? God, would you show me the direction that I need to go? Church, let me tell you something. This is going to be seen one of the most uncommon things to say, but that's spiritual warfare. 
garnering wisdom when you need it the most. Garnering direction when you're going in a direction that you don't you don't know where to go. Maybe you ever, I mean, when you're in, I'm talking like you're you're in warfare, you're digging, you're looking, you're looking for answers. Anyone ever been looking for answers before? And you're trying to find your way through? That's spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not always waking up in the middle of the night and feeling an evil presence in your room and telling it to leave. That's straightforward. We get that. But there's more to it than that. There's way more to it than that. And I don't know if Christians fully realize that they're engaged in a spiritual war that desperately needs their time and attention, that desperately needs a good addition of wisdom, needs a good addition of knowledge, and I'm talking about the spiritual kind, and that we need to confess when we're in a situation that we just simply do not know what to do. The reason we don't, most of the time, is because it makes us feel vulnerable. It makes us feel a little bit less than the kind of a person when you've got to say, you know what? I've been in this church thing for 20 years, and I don't even know what to do. And we got a little bit of pride built up. There's a bit of pride. And we don't want to admit. We don't want to confess. I don't have the knowledge to get through this. I don't, I don't know what to do. Can somebody help me? Oh, man. Oh, man. We've come to the end of our life if we have to ask somebody for help. We've come, we've come to the end of ourselves if we had to say, would you pray for me? I need, I need, some, I need some, some equipment. I need somebody to back me in just prayer. Sometimes you don't even have to be specific. It's just good to know that sometimes someone's backing you up in prayer. Amen. Right? Sometimes it's just good to know somebody's got your back. Would you pray for me? Anything specific? No, man, I just need your prayer. Just hold me up in prayer. That's spiritual warfare. That's spiritual warfare. And so, so we're engaged in this thing. We've got all these things going on. And, and, and Daniel had, had this thing going on. He was asking God for things. He was seeking his face. He wanted to see things take place. Um, he wanted to... Um, he wanted victory about this thing he was praying about. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading the last sentence that was in our lesson this morning. And, and it ended the section one with, um, we must humble ourselves before God, recognizing that the battle belongs to him. And I think we all agreed with that, correct? Mm -hmm. The battle belongs to him. Um, along with that statement that the battle belongs to him, could you agree tonight that we often take on more on ourselves than we should? Have you have you come to the to the realization of why that is yet? I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, this is the kind of things that I turn over. I'm like, why did I respond that way? Why? Why has it taken me years to get to the point where I'm okay with asking somebody help for help? Why does it take me so long to recognize that the battle is not mine alone, it is God's? Now, I have responsibilities in the battle, but the total victory and all the glory goes to him, right? Why does it take us so long to finally come to that conclusion. Because at our root and our core, we're prideful. We're arrogant. Really. And there's just like a smidge of your flesh that wants a little bit of the credit for all that you've been through. It's like a fraction of it. It's just crying out. It just wants, man, I got this. I got it. I don't need no help. I'm strong, you know. I got this thing. And before too long, we can't handle it. And we let it go too long, and now, now we're in a, now we're in, sh in a bad shape. We're in a bad situation. Spiritual warfare 
is something that should be common to the church. It should be common, right? Mm -hmm. Praying for people, praying about things, consistently being in prayer, uh, whether it be fastings or, or um, uh, intercessions, whatever it is that we're doing, this should, should be something that's commonplace to us. It should not feel out of place having to not focus on ourselves and focus on someone else. If by chance that is the case, we're farther off than we thought. <laughs> if it feels foreign to hold somebody else up in prayer and to, and to put their needs before your own, then we're farther off than we thought. It's, it's a, a, a fundamental truth. And we've, talked, we've said this before. How, how many of you have heard pastors say it? You've heard me say it before. You're needed here. You're needed here, but not just a body in the seat, but to find your place and to fill your spot and that we're all praying for each other and that we're all holding each other up and we're all authentically concerned about what the other one is dealing with. No, no, we're not all dealing with the same stuff. Everybody's in a different place, but we're concerned about someone else's situation because there are souls in the balance. Right? Souls in the balance. There's, 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 some, there's some heavy stuff going on today. And there's souls in the balance. I mean, do you think the enemy is, is waging war on the church just for fun? I mean, have you ever really asked yourself, what actually is the motive of the enemy? What is really the purpose behind spiritual warfare on the other side of this thing. I know what I'm trying to attain. Pastor, you talked about it this morning. I know what I'm trying to get. I'm getting heaven. Ah, but what's the enemy's motive? What's he trying to do? What's actually the whole purpose of him coming in and messing with you? Or, or firing the fiery darts. The whole thing is about souls weighing in the balance and to discourage you and to get you out of the game where you're not effective anymore. Well, you're not effective. And so if we don't talk about these things right here, you know, if we don't talk about spiritual warfare, if we don't realize that we're affected by this, if, if we don't realize that maybe we're not, um, we're not as, as, as good as we thought we were at it, it's not as effective as we thought we were at it. If you start turning, if you kind of turn off, and, and I mean this respectfully, don't take me the wrong way, please. If you turn off that kind of way of thinking where, okay, spiritual warfare is not just about rebuking the devil and binding him up. It's actually more than that. If you're telling me that it's more than just screaming and hollering at him and telling him to get out, there's more to spiritual warfare than that. If I told you that was the case, do we, can we receive that? Can we understand that maybe we've been missing the most important parts of spiritual warfare? Maybe the very thing that wins and loses battles could be in what we're missing. And so, let's move on. It said in the last sentence, it said, We'll confront evil forces and we must be ready to um, exist in this spiritual realm. Okay. Section 2, Daniel encounters a heavenly visitor. <clears throat> this is in Daniel 10, 9 through 11, if you want to look at that in your Bibles too. I'm not going to read that, but I'm just going to, we're going to talk about what's in the, the content. As the angel began speaking, Daniel fell to the ground on his face and entered a kind of comatose state. It appears that the trauma 
and the motion of the angel's appearance, perhaps as well as Daniel's three-week fast, affected him greatly. It's very possible he was out of gas. Uh, he, he was he was quite drained from the experience. Um, I don't there there it is. The fact that you're going to be drained, period, is probably going to be the norm from here on out. I've been looking for the I've been looking for the fountain of youth for years. And I don't I don't when I say fountain of youth, I mean my my own personal quest for well, I'll just leave it at that. It's my own personal quest. And it doesn't exist. And what I've been trying to find is this like utopia <coughs> where I feel like I did when I was 16. I'm almost certain it doesn't exist. And I gave that up. I gave it up. And the reason why I was spending so much time and energy looking for this thing, it's kind of like they're, you know, today, they're looking for, they're looking for the garden, you know, they're trying to find this spot and excavating and looking for all these things. I'm thinking, I'm spending way too much time on this thing. It doesn't exist because when you are engaged in, in this life, if you're engaged, I'm not talking about being disengaged, I'm talking about being engaged. That means you're concerned about people. That means your heart's going to get broken. That means you're going to get upset and angry at times. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to have to figure out how to get over mountains and over valleys and over hills and all these things, and you're just going to have to go through it. Pastor, you talked about it this morning. If you're engaged in this life for the Lord, you're going to get plumb wore out. That's just the way that it is. And quite truthfully, I've been trying to find a way to come up with a formula that maybe I could sell or something and say, I found it. I know how to do it all and still feel good. No, no, that's not the case. Right here, entered a comatose state. Maybe he was weak. Maybe he was out of gas. Whatever the situation was, he falls down. And that's exactly a picture of many times where you and I are at. We just, we're out of gas. I hope it's the kind of expenditure that we're proud to spend for the Lord and not in pursuit of things for ourselves. You with me? I hope it's something that we can look back on and we can trace it all the way back to doing the Lord's work, not always being out of gas in pursuit of what I can get from me. It's I would say that if that's if we're looking at it. Church, wouldn't you, wouldn't you look back and think maybe something's out of balance if I'm always constantly exhausted for my own pursuits? I'm always exhausted for looking for things for me, trying to get for me. And then when it comes to time to do battle for Jesse or Sean, Sean tells me, he says, hey, brother, I need your prayers, Jesse. He might call me and say, hey, brother, I need you to pray about something. Man, I've been working so hard. Killing bugs, worried about everybody else's stuff, making sure I get all my paychecks in, but now I'm too tired and too exhausted to go to bat for my brothers. Now, to me, there's something wrong with that picture. I've told, I shared this with Pastor. I said, something, to me, something's wrong. If the green becomes so important to us and our lives have become, become so consumed with our own responsibilities in, in this world that they now have, they have um, usurped 
our responsibilities in the spiritual realm. And now we're not effective in spiritual warfare no more. We think we are because we still come to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> the devil don't care. He don't care as long as you're not messing with his plans in the spirit realm. He doesn't care so much about the attendance. And I'd like to think, I've seen this before. People think, well, the devil gets mad. He gets so upset. Guys, I stepped in the church house this morning. No, no, he didn't. No, he's more upset when you go and spend some time in prayer and stir up that prayer realm and stir up the spirit realm with your prayers and your fervency. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Never have I found once that your attendance availed much in the spiritual realm. So it kind of makes me think about what plane this thing is on, where the playing field actually is. It ain't here. It's in the spirit realm. It's a place we can't see. A place that only you can access through prayer. Making a difference? Got to do it in prayer. A spiritual warfare. Okay. <clears throat> Such an experience was not new to Daniel. A similar experience is seen in Daniel 8, 18, 27. <clears throat> Daniel 8 describes the critical vision of the ram and the male goat that foretold of Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire with amazing precision and detail. God was doing incredible things through the life of Daniel, providing visions that describe the future and thus declare the glory of the Lord. Daniel's deep sleep was temporary, however, as he was stirred by a touch from the angel that left him trembling. Daniel was renewed preparing him for the incredible supernatural experience that was to come. It is likely that we will not encounter the kinds of visions Daniel had or be overwhelmed by a mighty angel, but we do live in a world surrounded by, super, by the supernatural. Do you believe that? Amen. Okay, if you believe in the supernatural, then you also have to believe in the things that affect the supernatural. That's one of the things about spiritual warfare, and I wish I had just a tremendous amount of time to really break it down and tear it apart so you could actually see it piece by piece, is that if you understand that there's a spiritual realm, then you got to understand that your prayers affect the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. Your prayers are just not a wish list, okay? It's not. It's not just wish. Like, I just got to hope you do this for me. Would you please do this for me? That's hope stuff anyway. You ain't even praying right. I mean, we need to consider these things. And we consider the battle that's going on in the spirit realm and if I'm not engaged in it, then nothing gets done. You could think there's a job to be done. It's kind of like, you know, um, <clears throat> I just tore down that old house on this piece of property that I bought. There's a big old pile of trash back there. This old house and all this stuff piled up on the back end of my property. And I've been for weeks, I've been looking out there, looking at it, thinking, I got to call somebody to get this thing taken care of. I really need to get this taken care of. Really need to do this. But nothing's going to get done until I do it. Right. I mean, nothing's going to get done until somebody does something to spark it. It's no different in the spiritual realm. Lots of work to be done, lots of jobs to be done, but nothing moves until you enter into that realm. Amen. Nothing. That's the difference between seeing things from the spiritual perspective and then seeing them in the physical. I mean, you know, getting us off of our plane of, of um, how do I say this? Getting us out of, of rewarding ourselves for doing the little things and, and chunking the merit system in our own personal merit system in the trash and getting back down to actually what makes things move in the spirit realm. 
and just digging, digging. I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't want you to answer it. I want you to mull it around within yourself. When was the last time you prayed without restraints? Just, just, just think about it. When was the last time you prayed without restraints? Now, what I mean by that is, uh, uh, I said this a couple weeks ago, phone restraint, personal restraint, and time restraints. When was the last time you prayed with no restraints? Meaning, I'm getting, wherever your prayer closet is, you get in there, and you're going to take some time. You're going you're to come in. You're going to pray. And you do not have a time frame. You do not have um, a place where it's going to end, per se. You just want to go and spend some time with the Lord and see where this thing goes. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time? I can tell you, I know what got me close to the Lord. It was that. I'm just here to spend some time with you. What do you want to talk about? I need you to pray about this. I need you to pray about this. And then things begin to move. Things begin to stir before I know it. I'm crying and I'm weeping and I'm letting things go that I didn't even know I was harboring. That's spiritual warfare. And that's deep stuff. That's getting into the that's getting into the place where we are effective. No restraints. None whatsoever. When was the last time you prayed that way? Where time doesn't matter. I'm not asking, I'm not saying you pray for an hour. I don't even like saying a number because people get it fixated. They get fixated on the number. I remember spending time with the Lord and when it was rich, fervent. Sometimes it was a long time. Sometimes I spent 20 minutes there and I thought, man, I've been here all night. I had no clue that I'd only been here for 20 minutes, but I was done. Man, I was so full. I was like, wow, that was amazing. God did more than that 20 minutes. And it was like, all right, you're good, go. I was like, well, that was amazing. And at times it has lasted a long time. But when was the last time we prayed without restraint? Because I believe you, we have to, in order to be effective in spiritual warfare, we have to come back to the place where there's no restraints. Where we're not dictated by something. Because a couple weeks ago, we talked about the phone and its, and its attachment to us. We talked about, uh, we've talked about time and its restraints on us. Uh, we've talked about our own personal endeavors and, and the way that those restrain us. And keeping us from being the kind of people. It's almost like we're going out to battle like a soldier. It's almost like we're going out to battle. We've forgotten pieces of our armor. We, we don't really have a full sword. We got a sword, but it's like broken. Um, you got like your helmet's all messed up. It's not even put on right. You get what I'm saying? It's like we're just not quite where we need to be to be effective. And so, and maybe tonight, maybe you are. And I'm not ringing anybody's bell, and I'm not trying to accuse anybody of anything. These are just some things that God has dealt with me about, and they hurt my heart because I know I'm not there yet. I'm not where I need to be. I've run my life too much by a schedule, and I've had to give some things up recently. I've had to give up some endeavors of mine recently and some things that I thought I wanted to do because I just cannot, I just cannot understand why I can't seem to, why I seem to be so enraptured in everything else, but not so much in the deep things that God wants to do. And that bothers me. That bothers me. In this day and time we're living in, that bothers me. Say, man, there's got to be more. There's got to be more going on here than just, I mean, we're just this little thing. There's got to be more, and I can feel it. More needs to be done. But the only way it's going to get done is if we take the time to do it. Spiritual warfare takes time. Take some time. 
Okay. <clears throat> it is likely we will not... Oh, God, I said that already, but... Um, I'm going to read it anyway. It is likely we will not encounter the kinds of visions Daniel had or be overwhelmed by a mighty angel, but we do live in a world surrounded by the supernatural. May we, like Daniel, be sensitive to the move of the Lord and receptive to what he may want to say or do through us. The angel's message to Daniel might be called a good news, bad news situation. Daniel 10.12 provides some marvelous news to the prophet. This great angel informed Daniel of what had been happening in heaven during the three weeks they had been in prayer. And the description was surely a blessing to Daniel. Okay, remember, he was in three weeks of prayer, right? We had a what we would call a partial fast. He was eating nothing but vegetables. He had abstained from uh, meats and, and uh, some other things. And so he was in prayer for three weeks, and there was something going on in the heavenlies the entire time. But for some reason, it wasn't coming through. Now, I want to point you to that because... We are, we're, we're prayers, we're praying people, and we, we often say the same thing. Even though it's not said here, it didn't ever say that Daniel said this, I see myself in it and I say, I, after week one, I'm already like, where are you at? I mean, I've been praying for a week and I've been fasting for a week, and you had not showed up yet? And, and you know, in, in Western culture, man, we're like, we're like that for like the first couple hours. I've been fasting for three hours. <laughs> Where, where are you at, God? I need you to show up, you know. And I'm talking like it's our perception about our expectation of when God is supposed to move. It's like God is supposed to move right now. Well, he had been in this prayer for three weeks, and that's a that's a long time. Twenty one days. Can we agree that's a long time to be in fasting and prayer? Quite a long time. God had heard the desire of Daniel's heart, and that desire was about to be answered. However, it is important to see what undergirded his request. Note the focus of Daniel's prayer. He asked God for understanding. Hello. Wisdom and knowledge. Understanding. Here's the prayers right here. This is the quintessential stuff to getting into the deep thing of God. God, just give me understanding. He did not pray that God would cause things to go the way he thought they should go. Such a prayer called for trust in the midst of difficult spiritual battles. And so, <clears throat> in spiritual warfare, um, when we were talking a little bit about it earlier, but it's, it's common ground uh, for the life of the believer to be a bit difficult. It, common ground to be a bit difficult. This is what Pastor was alluding to this morning that we're going, our, our society is heading down a path that we've never been before. We're, we're heading somewhere that's not good. And we're, as a society, used to having it our way. I mean, we are used to having it our way, all the way down to the channels. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? All the way down to the channels. We're used to having our way. And, and, and all the way up to, you know, uh, what you order at the restaurant, how much they put on it, how much they don't put on it. I mean, everything's made to order for us, man. That's what we're used to. We are headed to a place in our society where we don't know where this thing is going. And I can assure you, it's going to come to at some point where you're not going to get your way. And, and what he was alluding to and what I, I'm also uh, supporting that is, what are people going to do? How are you going to respond to the difficult circumstance that's now in front of you? 
are we spiritually prepared right now? I'm talking about doing warfare now. I'm not talking about waiting to watch the whole thing collapse and think, well, I guess I better pray. Man, I better, man, we need to pray for our country. It's like, no, listen, if the economy collapses and America ceased to be the United States, it's too late to pray. Prayer yeah. <laughs> was a long time ago. Um, I heard a real smart guy the other day say, um, if the economy, if you actually see the economy collapse, the economy actually collapsed a long time ago. It's never like that. It was a long collapse of things that went wrong and nobody fixed them. And so I pose that today for our own spiritual lives. Are there some things that we need to fix? Are there some areas in our prayer life that we need to fix? We get them fixed so we can get into some serious spiritual warfare. So we can actually do what we need to be doing for the kingdom. For the kingdom. All right, let's keep moving. Such a prayer was called, uh, for, for, such a prayer called for trust in the midst of difficult spiritual battles. Also, Daniel prayed in humility. He recognized who he was in comparison to God. He knew that God is in control and worthy of all trust. And so, even amid all the trials of exile and the emotional turmoil of the uh, visions he was seeing, Daniel did not lose his sense of God's greatness and his need to place himself as the uh, <clears throat> and the people in his hands. The battle was taking place on a spiritual plane. Everybody say spiritual plane. Spiritual plane. That's where it's at. It's where it was taking place. Ultimately, and the God he served was greater than any other spiritual forces. All right. So we all agree. God is greater than all these forces. We all agree with that. Okay, that goes without saying, though. You're in church. You should know that. <laughs> now, but what do I do about it? No. I, I serve the greatest God, the most powerful God, in the galaxy, there's nothing that can stand against my God. Now, what are you going to do about it? He answers to your beck and call. What are you going to do about it? Think about it. A God that says that you can speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed, and it'll be removed because of the authority that he's passed on to you. A God that says, I would never leave you nor forsake you. This is the God. This I serve this God. You talk to this God every day. This God. He can do all these things. But we're not willing to get on the battlefield and take him there and to see these things change? Or is God, is God just the God to benefit us? Is he just a God because I live well? Is he great because he makes things good for me? I have a good job. I can make good money. And I can eat well. Is he just great because of those things? We have to ask ourselves that question. There's a lot of people today. I'm afraid to say this. There's a lot of people today. If something were to um, go away and things were not the same in this country the way they are now, and you couldn't eat the things that we eat, and you couldn't buy the things that you buy, I wonder how many people would still consider God the great God. I wonder if he's only great because of what we have. I wonder if he's only great because of, of how we live. We were talking about, Pastor and I were talking about this, and, and that's, that's a really a call to your own personal 
walk with God and to making sure that you're not motivated by anything else other than him. That if it all goes away, he's still king of kings and lord of lords. That if he chooses to let this thing go and we're still here, that he's still the God that I fell in love with from the very beginning. And I love him. But there's more to life than just what we can get and what God can give us. It's got to just be about him and him alone. That's what motivates you. That's what should motivate us. And his desire for you and I to be in the spiritual battle, to be in it, to be engaged in it. It's like, God, I'm so tired, though. I've got so many things going on in my life. All this stuff that's been going on, you know, COVID and all these people are afraid. All I, I, all I can tell you is this. Isn't he worth dying for? Amen. Is he worth dying for? Not the way that you want to die. But did you think that it was going to go? I mean, did you really think it was going to happen like that? I've watched a lot of people pass this last year. Mm-hmm. In ways other than what we would have rather have seen. And I don't know, maybe we have an unrealistic perspective about how this thing is going to go down. I think we have this idea that our life is going to end and our family is going to be around us and we're going to have a chance to say our goodbyes and it's just going to work out perfectly. It's probably not going to happen like that. We've got this idea of how we want everything. I'm telling you this because death comes unexpectedly. You don't see it coming. And is the work of the Lord, the duties that you and I have, isn't it worth dying for? Because if it is, then nothing stands in our way. Nothing. Nothing can stop you from getting into that spiritual realm or going and visiting or talking with that person that God has been dealing with you about. Whatever it takes to make it there, we're willing to do it. We're willing to do it. All right, I'm about to close this thing down. Y'all thought I was going to go on all night, didn't you? All right. Um, in the last section, I'm going to read this, this top paragraph here, and then we're going to close. It's the Daniel 10, 13, likely describes spiritual forces at work within the Persian government. You think there's spiritual forces at work in the United States government? Amen. You better believe it. Which ruled over the exiles. Oh, okay. Oh, I forgot I was going to ask you that. Are you praying for your government? <laughs> <laughs> That's a serious question. Are you praying for your government? Are you praying for their salvation? Are you praying for repentance? Because they may not do it now, but maybe somewhere something clicks. Praying. I'm talking about praying, conviction, praying. I'm not praying that they make the decision so I can still keep living well. We're often motivated by that. We'll put the right person in there so they'll keep making the decisions so I can keep living the way that I live. I was telling Misty this the other day, and God had dealt with me about this back at the turn of the uh, election. And I had asked God a question, and he gave me an answer. And all I can tell you is this, and I'm not going to get into all the details, but what it comes down to is it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter who you put in there. It doesn't really matter if you put good people making good decisions. The bottom line is when sin is running rampant, Everything has to fall apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. 
God showed me that. Showed it directly, like an arrow. He said, it doesn't matter though, Tanner, because when you have good people that still are living up in sin, I can't let that pass. I cannot let that pass. That broke my heart. But that's the way that it is. And so there's lots of work to be done. Lots of things to be done. We're praying for the people that are in these positions. We're praying for them. Scripture teaches that a demonic hierarchy exists. It does. A demonic hierarchy exists. Anytime there should be a, and really a wake-up call. Anytime you're up against a hierarchy of any kind, okay? You know what a hierarchy implies? Organization. If, you have, if there's a hierarchy of some sort, a hierarchy means you've got forms of, of organization. One group tells another group what to do. That tells another group what to do. And they submit to those people that are above them. That gives them a hierarchy and an organization. They're organized. The, the, the battle that we're up against is actually organized. It's not like the enemy is just going out and just like, I'm just going to go out and tear everything up. No. It's actually, um, how do I say this? Um, it's uh, done on purpose. He does it purposefully with intent to kill. Every time. Every time with intent to kill. So, but I mean, I mean, he's out here. He's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's on the battlefield in the spirit realm. And where are God's people? <laughs> What are we doing to respond to that? Wow. You know, I thought about that a long time ago. I thought, man, there's somebody out to kill me. I don't know how I feel about that. This guy wants to kill me. But, I mean, think about it. If you, if you really grasp that, if, if somebody told you tonight, somebody was, man, they're really going to try to kill you. I mean, you're going to lock your doors. You're going to be doing everything you can to make sure you, everything's in place. i got to make sure I'm ready if this, this, this individual tries to kill me. The devil's been threatening, blowing smoke about killing people forever. Nobody do anything about it. He's like, well, whatever. <laughs> Look at what's happening. He wasn't joking. He's really moving in. And so it's going to take something else uh, from God's people in order to counteract that. Demonic hierarchy exists. <coughs> and Daniel, we see that the uh, archangel Michael had joined in the battle, which allowed the messenger to come to Daniel, though delayed. He said he was delayed, remember? Now, the message presented to Daniel concerned the future of the Jewish people. The angel touched Daniel's lips, giving him strength to speak. Daniel humbly acknowledged the weakness he felt as a result of the vision. Battle in the spiritual realm can have an impact even on the strength of the human being. Okay, I want to go back to this point. In Daniel, we see that the uh, archangel Michael had joined in the battle, which allowed the messenger to come to Daniel, though delayed. Who delayed him? The prince of Persia. The, the devil had delayed the answer to the prayer. Don't you think that happens now? Amen. Now I try to think of it like this. I'm looking at Daniel here, and I'm thinking, all right, three weeks, 21 days of intent fasting and, and purposeful prayer. That's pretty effective stuff. Measured against what's equatable to that. I don't know what it would be equatable to it, but I think, okay, how long does it take me to get the same thing done with my current prayer life? He prayed for three weeks of fasting and intent prayer, purposefully did it. How long, how long would it take? Just kind of put yourself in there. How long would it take for you 
to get the same thing done in your prayer life? A year? Two years? It is. It's kind of comical because I got to thinking about it. I thought, man, that's rough. And we're just, we take little bitty steps. We're getting there. And God sometimes will wonder, he's like, come on. Will you come on? It's right there. Come on and get this thing. It's yours. Anyway, all right. So, so he got delayed because of the enemy. And the last sentence, that the angel strengthened Daniel with a touch, reminded Daniel that he was loved and highly esteemed by God and that he need not be fearful. He could instead find peace and strength from God. The last lesson I want to teach tonight, and I, and I wish we had more time to really, I wish we could do PowerPoint and all kinds of cool stuff because I think it would be a, a good teaching lesson. But the last point that I want to make about spiritual warfare is that in order to be effective in spiritual warfare, you're going to have to overcome your fears. I didn't say you were going to get rid of them. I said you're going to have to overcome them. That means you pray, and when you pray in faith, that means that you may have to encounter something that you are afraid of. That means you might have to go up against something that really, really pulls at your fear strings. Um, it sounds kind of like this. Uh, maybe I'll put a different context. Maybe easier to understand. You hear the voice say, but what if? You heard Anybody hear that voice other than me? Uh -huh. Amen. But what if? And you know what he's doing, don't you? That's the strategy. He's trying to get in on the doubt side. He's trying to, to reconvince you that what you're believing for, it ain't going to happen. But what if this happens? And what happens? Fear. I felt it. I felt fear right in the middle of my prayer time. And even though I feel fear, I have to go right after it. You go head first. I'm not going to run away from it. I'm not going to back down. But that's not what we do, right? Because we're, we're uh, engaged in spiritual warfare. You think people on the battlefield don't be af aren't afraid? They don't get afraid? But am I going to stay in my foxhole? I'm not going to get out. I'm going ahead. Yeah, I feel fear, but I'm not going to let it stop me. We cannot allow fear to pull us down and allow us to be ineffective. We can't do that. We have to remain on the battlefield. That means facing our fears. And I don't have much, I don't want to spend any much more time talking about that, but I want to leave you with that tonight. We've talked about a lot of things tonight and a lot of things for you to consider and to think about and to think about the, our condition, our spiritual condition, where you're at on the battlefield, in the spiritual realm, on the spiritual plane. Are you really out there doing battle? Are we praying consistently? Are we doing the battle things? Or are we just calling ourselves Christians? God is looking for warriors right now. Right now. If he hadn't come back yet, there's still a chance. Would you stand in that? While rebuking the devil and binding the enemy and casting him out is essential, that's not the lesson that God gave me for you guys. It's not what I got. Maybe on another night we'll talk about that aspect of it. But I believe there is a wealth of information 
concerning spiritual warfare and where we need to be that's more pertinent to the day and time we're living in than anything else. The church has got to be effective or we might as well go home. Amen. It's, we got to be effective. So if we're still here, then there's a reason to be effective. So tonight we're going to pray. Um, and I'm just going to leave you with that. I want you to mull that over. I want you to consider those things tonight and allow God to reshape what you're doing in your spiritual life. Pastor, do we have any announcements? Singing next Sunday night. Okay, singing next Sunday night. Be looking forward to that. A lot of fun. Excellent. Hold, hold the ones that you know that need prayer. Hold them up. Hold them up. Check in on them. See how they're doing. See how things are coming along. Put it, actually put your hand to it, like physically. Like, hey, you doing okay? Just want to check on you. All right, that's good. Don't take it personal. If somebody calls you to check on you, don't take it personal. What's he think? You think I'm weak or something? <laughs> Maybe we're, maybe we're too prideful if we think we can't even take a phone call from somebody. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight, and thank you for your word. Father, your word means more to us than anything else, Lord. Help us to live off of that word, Father. Help us to live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Father, I praise you, and I thank you for tonight, Lord. And I just pray, be with us. Be with us as a church. Be with our pastor. Be with our families, Lord. God, Father God, be with us wherever we go. Father, help us to be good examples. Help us to be people of integrity. Help us to be people that, that stand up for what's right, Lord, in the spirit realm and in the physical, Lord, and that we do the things that are right, Lord. We do, thus saith the Lord, and we do the things of your word. Father, thank you. Thank you for the life that you've given us. Thank you, Father God, that you bless us. Father, that you spoil us, Lord, with all good things, Father. We know all good things come from you, Father. We ask these things tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed.